0: Uh, have you ever given a 2 week notice or a, a 1 month notice? Is it put your raise your hand. Have you ever given a job notice? Yeah, you have a choice when you do that. You can uh you can coast, you know, the, your, your last 2 weeks or or 30 days. Uh you can you can do what's necessary to not get walked out sooner, right? If you want if you want to finish that time. Uh or or you can go above and beyond. You can train the next person. You can, you can do your best. You know, when you come into a job, you try really hard. You're trying to prove yourself and, and uh, learn things quickly. Well, you can go out the same way if you want, right? Or you can just kind of get by. Maybe take it a little bit deeper. Uh, what would you do if you were told that you had uh, a week to live? You had seven days to live. Well, what would you do? I don't think any of us would coast. Maybe you'd try to do some things that were on your bucket list uh, quickly. Um, maybe uh, you would try to reconcile some relationships, ask for forgiveness, offer forgiveness, things like that. Uh, I'm not sure. But today we come into uh, a story in John chapter 13, and Jesus, uh, he had about a week to live. And so he had a choice. Would he coast? Would he just get by? Or Would he go above and beyond? Well, I'm going to ruin the story for you. He goes above and beyond. Jesus does two things in his in his final week before going to the cross. Uh, he tells us what he's going to do for us, and he shows us in a really big way. And then he shows us and tells us what we should be doing for others. Uh, he he definitely stepped up. See, I think uh, in this text that we're gonna we're gonna look at in John 13. It's, it's a real famous text, and probably most or all of you have heard this story at some point. It's when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And uh, we actually looked at this two years ago on Mother's Day, uh, just a little bit. Uh, Ellen Weber and Wyatt Watercotty gave testimonies uh, in, in talking about what that means. And, and I think there's a, a big message in the foot washing about serving one another. But I worry that we miss The start of it. We miss what leads to that. And so we're going to look today at what I think should be the biggest focus of this text, which would lead us to serving one another. So John 13, beginning at verse 1, I think it'll be up on the screen here. It says this, "'It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end.' The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. I'm going to stop there for a second. Verses 1 through 3 tell us what Jesus knew. This is where we have to start. I think we skip over this part and we move on to the next part, verses 4 and 5, which we'll get to. But Jesus knew a couple things. He knew he was about to leave. He knew he was going to go home. He knew he was going to die uh, pretty soon. He also knew that Judas was there and that Judas was the one who was going to betray him. This is a side note, but it's pretty important for the rest of the story. So we know at this point Jesus knew. He, he's given his seven-day notice. He's about to leave. Verse 4, So, because of what he knew, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Verses 4 and 5 tell us what Jesus did. He washed the disciples' feet. But it started after what he knew that he was about to go. See, I think that what what we know or what we believe leads us to what we do. In the church, sometimes people come to church, and maybe for the first time, and, or they're new to their faith, and we say, hey, do you want to serve in the nursery? Uh, hey, do you want to set up chairs? And we got a job for you. We want to get people to serve right away. And serving's important, but what about knowing? What about learning? Because Jesus tells us what we know will lead us to action. So verse 6, he came to Simon Peter. Now, Most likely, this was not the first person, uh, and I'm just going to try to uh, add to the story a little bit. He probably had washed other disciples' feet uh, uh, before he got to Peter. So he's going through and everyone's sitting there in awkward silence because the master's washing the disciples' feet, the followers. That didn't make sense. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing. But later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. So Peter recognized that that it was inappropriate that the Master should not be washing the disciples' feet. Now none of the disciples wanted to wash the Master's feet, but it's still, he why why is he doing this? So Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, for their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said not everyone was clean. All right, so this is the part that needs a little bit of explanation. Um, This is the foot washing part. Uh, So if if I were going to go to your house, any of your houses, uh, to have a meal, and this was in Jesus' time. We would go and we would have a meal at a table, maybe something like that, uh, lo- a little bit lower, lower to the ground, and there would most likely not be any seating. So you think now, you go and sit at a table and have a meal, you, you don't need to have clean feet, right? Because you, you're at least going to have socks on, maybe shoes, you're gonna, your feet are under the table. Well, it was a little bit different then. You, you would lean at a table uh, on one arm, and then you'd kind of eat with the other. I don't really want to lay down and show it. Um, But your feet were not under the table, they were out. You were laying down, and then the next person, and so there was a pretty good chance that your feet were really close to someone else's face while you're eating. That's kind of gross, right? Well, um, so before I would go to your house, I would take a bath. Uh, I would shower before, and and then I would uh, come to your house. I would drive, most likely, but they didn't really have cars at that point, so they walked. And uh, the roads were really dirty. They had dirt roads. Now, if you lived in the nice part of town, which was like the upper part of town, it, it was just dirt. But still, you don't want dirt next to your face, right? But if, if I lived in the lower part of town and I came to visit you, um, well, our sewage system wasn't very good in my part of the town, so there was more than just dirt on the road. So my feet really needed to be washed, right? So when I got to your house, someone would, uh, a servant would wash my feet, and then I would go to the table, that was, that was the process here. Um, now, just like any story that Jesus tells, there's, sometimes there's more than one meaning, and sometimes we don't really know for sure what he was talking about, uh, but we know that that was one option. Another option was right before a, a, the Jewish Passover, you had to have a ceremonial bath uh, in order to uh, celebrate the Passover meal. And so it was very similar. Uh, you would take a bath, and then you would just have to have your feet washed again, um, but this actually points back to the Old Testament. If you were a priest, you would have to take a a, a bath one time to be set apart. This was your cleaning. This is what you, what made you close to God, and you were allowed to go into the temple then, um, but this was only for the priests. This is back in Exodus. Well, then, uh, when the priest would go around the people and and uh, get dirty per se, uh, maybe it was uh, Maybe it was actual dirt. Maybe it was just being around sinners. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that talks about what makes you unclean. Well, then they would have to go to the courtyard before they go into the temple and wash their hands and their feet before they could go to God. All right, so that's, that's uh, kind of the back history on this. Now, what all this points to is before Jesus did this, the people, the Jews, they believed that they had to have a bath, they had to take a bath, and they had to wash themselves themselves in order to be clean before God. Like, that would make them right to be with God. Now, it was a good symbol. It really is. If you think about it, I need to be clean before I go uh, around. If I was going to visit the president or if I was going to uh, visit um, any of you, we'll just put you on the same class as the president, like it or not. Um, just depends uh, <laughs> if you like the president or not, I guess. But what I'm saying is if, if you were going to be around someone of importance, you would, you would clean up. He'd probably shave and shower and, you know. So, these people thought that in order to be close to God, they had to get cleaned up. Jesus says that that was a nice picture, but he's going to make us clean now, not by taking a bath. It's a little bit different now. Jesus tells his followers, he's, they need a bath. How do you get clean first? We think baptism this picture It makes it look like baptism. In John 15, 3, a couple of chapters after this, he said that it's from believing his word, from hearing his word. And so we accept what Jesus has done for us first. That makes us right with God. And then we allow him to keep serving us, washing our feet. That's where we're at today. So what does it look like then to allow Jesus to clean us? If we don't have to go and wash our hands and feet before, we're, uh, before we approach God, what do we have to do? That's what I wanted to know, and I think I, I, think I uh, found something that helps us to know what this looks like. In First John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we may come out to be a liar, and His word is not in us. We confess our sins. We allow Jesus to, to wash us. We believe him. The cross started that. But on a regular basis, we go back to him. And I'm gonna talk about why in a little bit and give you another picture of what that looks like. But but before we look at what we do, why do we need to do it? Why do we need to why do we need to be clean? Why do we need to have our feet clean? He says in verse eight, No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. So he didn't want this. Jesus answered. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I wash you, and He's going to wash His feet, you have no part with me. So for for me and for you, what does that mean? He, Jesus physically is not going to wash my feet. I confess Jesus as as my Lord, and I confess my sin. Now, why do I do that? To have a real relationship. Jesus wants to be our friend. He, he says that we can be uh, his, his mother and brother and sister. We can be his family. But it starts out knowing that Jesus is our Savior. And if I don't, if I don't confess my sin, I don't need Jesus. If I've never sinned, if I don't, if I don't mess up on a, on a daily basis and acknowledge that, I don't need Jesus. I'm doing just fine without him. And so to have a real relationship with him... We have to remember who we are, sinners, and who Jesus is, the Savior. That's when the relationship starts. That's when we can have a part with Him. He keeps going and kind of uh, applies the the part that we usually get to with with what we do, like you're supposed to serve. This is where we get that part. Verse 12, when He had finished washing their feet, He put on His clothes and returned to His place. Do you understand What I have done for you, he asked them. I want to stop there just for a second. Do you understand what I have done for you? Now, what has Jesus done for them at this point? He served served them. He did something very humiliating uh, that that no one else could, could or would do. This is pointing to the cross. It hasn't happened yet, but Jesus tells them, you'll understand in part, later you'll understand in full. This is uh, one of those instances that they don't fully understand, but he's trying to get them to know first, so later then they'll, they'll take action and they'll, they'll understand it. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. See, here's the result of first knowing, knowing what Jesus has done for you, and then doing. Don't start with the doing. You know, I've seen people do that. I've seen people come into the church and they say, "I want to help in the kids area, and I want to, and I want to set up chairs, and I want to take care of the yard." And they do this, and they're like, "You're like that person's on fire for Jesus, man. They are all in." And then seven months later, they quit, and they, they quit everything, and they leave the church. I've seen that happen many times. People come in, they're on fire, and they leave. And I think this is why. Because they come in, and they think, I need to do for Jesus, and then I'm going to feel better. And then, then my sin's going to uh, be washed away because I'm serving so much. And Jesus, God's going to be proud of me. And then, and then they realize, well, I still have guilt. I'm still carrying my burdens. Because they don't fully know. And it's our responsibility as Christians to help disciple them, to mentor them, then let them serve, let them do. First, we have to understand what this is about. And then uh, Jesus finishes the story, verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Still, we have to know, and we do, and there's a good result. Now, fortunately, Jesus showed us how to get there. I wondered, as, uh, as someone who uh, has been in the church a little while, and I know a lot of you have been in the church longer than I've been alive, and so what does a mature Christian look like? Well, in, in, in 2 Corinthians 8, I think Paul gives us a good idea, like a test to, to decide, am I, am I sincere in my faith? Verse 7, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you. Since you've got everything else figured out, you know the Bible, you know the gospel, you you know about God, you know what you're supposed to be doing, you're living the right way. Since you've done all this, is your faith still sincere or not? Because we start to wonder at times. He says, see that you excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What would you give up so that others could gain heaven? What would you give or sacrifice? What would you say, well, this is what I want to do, but, but I love you more. I love him more. What would you be willing to do? We think Jesus came in and he was poor because he was born in Nazareth and had nothing, and then he, he served out of his poverty. But it says right here, no, it was through his riches. He left heaven. He had everything and said, I'm going to go and be poor so that someone else, so that the whole world would gain. And if we're following that example, then when, when, since we know the gospel, even if you say, I'm not really that blessed, I don't, I'm not rich, no, it's not about money. It's about knowing the gospel. You know about God's love for you. So since you know that, what would you be willing to give up so that someone else would know as well? I do wonder sometimes why I'm, I feel like I'm so blessed. Uh, and I think all of us in our, in our uh, area, we're, we're blessed. Even, even financially in some way, we all have homes and cars and things that people across the world uh, would only dream of having. And I wonder, why are we so blessed, but the people that live, live in that city or in that state or in, in that country or continent, why aren't they blessed? I don't know. I don't know the answer as to why some people have been given more, but we need to do something with it. If we're in this place where we have been given blessings both financially, uh, spiritually, relationally, we have more opportunity and responsibility than a lot of people in the world but we make it about ourselves. We sit back and we do nothing, and we say, well, I have a lot of stress because of my responsibilities. Maybe we're worrying about the wrong things. So this is that farewell speech. This is uh, when Jesus was getting ready to leave. Um, and it was, uh, it was, you know, about a week. But then he came back and he gave another farewell speech, the Great Commission, and I wonder, what ties these two things together? Uh, John 13 to 17 in our reading, uh, but that's the, what they call the farewell discourse, the last week up to Jesus' death. But the Great Commission is after Jesus died on the cross and He came back and He was on the earth and He was uh, for 40 days, and then He was going to go to heaven. But what tied these two together? And so I want to read the Great Commission real quick and tie this together, and then we're going to be about done. Uh, it says this, Then Jesus came to, to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded. I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I read that, and we read this story today about foot washing. What ties those two together? Well, in this great commission... In verse 20, he says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Just, I want to say a week before, a week before uh, the, the cross, but this was probably this was at the end of the 40 days, so a couple months before, Jesus had told them to love one another, to be willing to do whatever it takes. He, he washed their feet. To, to be willing to go above and beyond. You know, all of us really have given a notice. I mean, we're all going to leave this earth at some point, and it might be in seven days, it might be in, in a month, it might be in, in, uh, in 50 years. We've all given a notice. So how will we finish? Knowing what we know, seeing how Jesus finished, because he didn't just live this way for seven days, he was just telling him, guys, this is how I've lived the whole time I've been here. I've been willing to do whatever it takes to, to share this, the kingdom of heaven with others. Now, what about you? You think that, that, you know, Jesus kind of tell him. you think I'm the, I'm the king and the Lord, and that's true. He says, rightly so, but I'm still willing to wash your feet. There's nothing that we shouldn't be willing to do if it means sharing the gospel with others. That's how we make disciples. And so as we go into our time of communion offering, I want to read just verse 10 one last time. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet their whole body is clean. This is when we get to communion. I told you there's uh there's a couple of ways that we might um have our feet washed by Jesus. One is to confess our sins. Uh we acknowledge who we are. But we take communion every single week to do this, to have our feet washed again by Jesus. It it, it might feel uh just to think about his his body and his blood on the cross, to think about the cross is up there, there's a cross, there's one over here, to think about Jesus dying on the cross for us. That kind of makes me feel like, you know, uh, I don't know, it makes me feel kind of low, like like I, I messed up that much that he needed to die on the cross for me. But really, I don't give it a lot of thought sometimes. But could you just imagine every Sunday if Jesus came in and washed your feet, I mean, how would you feel? I think I would be like Peter. No, not my feet. (laughs) Let me wash your feet. Now, that's what he does. He was willing to, even as our God, he was willing to do whatever it takes to show how much he loves us. That's why we worship him. That's why we come together every week and acknowledge him as our Savior. And so, Jesus is first our Savior, then our example. We, we take communion, we give offering, and we go out and we offer ourselves throughout the week, knowing that he, what he's done for us. This is the order, and it has to stay like this. We know, first we know what Jesus did for us. Then we go, and we do for others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for first doing what had to happen. Thank you for sending Jesus. As much as we talk about it and remember, um, it's a big deal uh, that you would sacrifice your son for us. I thank you for Jesus being faithful uh, to the end, uh, doing what it would take to show us that he would wash our feet, that he would do anything, and then to take the cross. And so I pray that every time we come together, that's what is first, what Jesus did for us. And then I pray that you would give us wisdom and courage uh, to live differently because of that, because of what we know. I pray that you would uh, help us to go and make disciples, uh, to share these truths, to serve others uh, so, that, so that others may gain uh, from what you've given us. Thank you for Jesus, and it's his name we pray. Amen. Amen.